are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Welcome to this week's podcast and the first podcast of this year. It's currently New Year's Day. That's not to say I'm actually going to get around to publishing this podcast on New Year's Day, but that's when I recorded it, New Year's Day. And um, it got me thinking about all of the other, the many New Year's Days that I've had, and especially the New Year's Days that I had when I was sick with anorexia, and how every New Year, I didn't really ever make New Year's resolutions, I haven't been one to do that, but every New Year there'd be this, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to change this year. Something different's going to happen this year. I'm not going to continue the way that I am this year. And every new year I'd think that. And every new year, my life would stay the same relatively. In that, I didn't really change. I didn't recover. Um, and one year, evidently, I did recover, didn't I? <laughs> And so I often think about, well, well, what, what's the difference there? Because I never liked being, I didn't even like being thin. I was in denial that I had an eating disorder. I certainly d- didn't like my life particularly or the way that I, I had to live. Not um, If I look back and I, I sort of, I, I hated running and I ran every day. So I wasn't happy. But, and I wanted to change. But I, I didn't. And um, so that's, that's the thing that for many people with eating disorders, we, we have to work out, well, what? It's not always about wanting to change. It's not about wanting to recover. It's not even about being motivated to recover. And what I think the difference is, is being committed to recover. Because commitment doesn't mean I want to do this thing. Commitment means I'm doing this thing, whether I want to or not. And there's a big difference there. And of course, many of us want recovery. We want the benefits of recovery. We want to stop living the life that we're living and start living a different one. But we're not committed to the changes that need to take place in order for us to achieve that. And so you can be as motivated as you want, but because of the fear that overrides that motivation, without the commitment there to override the fear, nothing's going to change. I often say you can be 10 out of 10 motivated, but if you're also 10 out of 10 fearful, no change will happen. You've got to be committed to force the change, even when you're scared and even when you don't want to do it. And the change comes in everything that you do, every tiny behavior, even every move you make, that's where the change comes. Is this movement helping my recovery? And if it's not, I'm not going to do it in every waking second. That's commitment. So I'm going to tell you a story to illustrate this a bit. And, um, I, I haven't even written about this. I didn't even put it in Love Fat. I think at the time that I wrote Love Fat, which seems like so long ago now, this is still really difficult for me, this me- this this memory. Um, there's actually probably plenty of them. 
similar to this that I didn't even write about that maybe I should start. But so I was very underweight, as you probably know, because I've spoken about that before. I hated being underweight. I looked awful. I certainly hated and was so ashamed to think that anybody might look at me and think that I had anorexia because at the time that I got sick, it was, it, you know, it was before the internet. It, it really was. It, the internet was there, but it wasn't the way it is now. You couldn't just Google search anything. And so, so stereo, it's very difficult to change the way people think about things without, the, the internet has really enabled a lot Somebody like me would never have a voice to talk about eating disorders without the internet because I'm not a medical doctor. And so publishers only ever want to publish stories from people that have been medical doctors. Without the internet, without me being able to write a blog and start without anybody telling me that I couldn't do it, start writing, I I would not have a voice. And so in the time that I got sick with anorexia, there wasn't any alternative to the idea that anorexia is a psychological problem that girls, young teenage girls get because they want to be thin or whatever. And I was devastated to think that that was me. Um, so I was very embarrassed by it. And I, I can't quite remember what year this happened. I think I was probably somewhere between 21 and 25 years old. I think I, I was... Um, I think it was within there. And I lived, I was at university, but I home is a little village in England, very close-knit village, a couple of hundred people, um, beautiful. And there had recently been, well, when I say recently, it's one of those villages where people live there forever. So my parents have lived in that village 40 years. Um, and so if somebody new moves into the village, it's like they can be there five years and they're still the new person. <laughs> and... There was this couple that moved in and they were lovely. and um, But they were the new people for a good five years. <laughs> and so I still think of them as the new people. And um, the, the, the woman who um, I'll call um, Sarah, she got very involved in village life um, straight away off the bat. And so she became great friends with, with everybody. And she was really good friends with my mum. And everybody in the village was concerned about me. Not many people knew what about eating disorders and certainly not about anorexia, but they you didn't have to you could only had to look at me to tell something was wrong, and probably most of them knew that my mother was so worried about me, so it was no secret that there was something wrong, despite the fact I tried to ignore it as much as I could and One day, Sarah she came up with this great idea um she said because I think she maybe tried to talk to me once about why are you so thin and I think I said, well, I'm trying to gain weight. I don't want to be thin. That was true. I didn't want to be thin. (laughs) Whether or not I was trying to gain weight, my actions wouldn't have said that. I was still running hours daily and eating very little. Um, And so she said, well, I've got this idea. Why don't we do a sponsored weight gain? And this was in the days before, like I said, internet wasn't really a thing. There wasn't any GoFundMes. And um, it was the days when you went around with a clipboard and um, got people to write down with a pen and sponsor you to do something. And I, I think that when she came up with this idea, my mum my was a bit, mm, don't know if this is a good idea. And I remember one of other of my mum's friends was just said, 
I think, and and this actual lady now, when I look back, she she worked with foster kids, and I think that she had a fair good good grip on on mental health stuff. And I think she she just sort of said, "Oh, I don't think this is I think this is going to be a good idea for Tabby." Um, I think she understood that, despite wanting to not be thin, it was it was a much bigger problem than that um, for me. Um, anyway. And when, when Anna came up with that idea, I think I also, I felt a bit confused and, but, but I felt, well, yes, why couldn't I do this? I think I felt some hope as well, that maybe that would be the thing that would, would make me gain weight. Um, and so Anna, she sort of got the bit between her teeth with it and she, she went to the local paper, she, she went around the whole village and she got people to sponsor me, the sponsored weight gain. And there are some, you know, the permission thing, the permission to eat thing that gives you almost a dopamine rush. In some respects, seeing all of those people writing down and, and give, offering um, to sponsor me money, saying, you know, and people were generous. And I guess because people were worried, they, they so badly wanted me to gain weight. It was overwhelming, actually, how generous people were to sponsor me to gain weight. And it was as if every time... I saw that sponsor sheet grow. It was that permission to eat thing. The problem with the permission to eat thing, though, is it doesn't actually result in action a lot of the time. So it was almost I got a little bit of of a that dopamine thing happening when I just, yeah, it was into getting sponsors because every time I got one, it was permission to eat and it gave me that rush. But it certainly didn't translate into my behavior. The point being, I really did want to do it. I really, really wanted to do it. And I wanted to make all of those people happy. I wanted to be successful. Um, I was so um, blown away that, that people were sponsoring me as much as they did and that there was as much support for me to gain weight. I really, really wanted to do it so badly. And in a sense, because it you know, it's gaining weight. It's so simple. Even in my head, I'm like, well, of course I'll do it. Of course I will. Of course I'll do it this time. And, um, and the weeks went by and every week the idea was that mum and I would go up to Anna's house and she'd weigh me. And, um, the first couple of weeks there was no shift in the needle. Um, why would there be, despite the fact that I was fully into this weight gain um, com- it's not a competition, but this this weight gain challenge. I hadn't changed my behaviour. I hadn't changed the way I was eating. I hadn't stopped running. So why would the needle change? Weight gain doesn't happen by magic. It doesn't happen by wanting it to happen either. It happens by action. And I wasn't taking the action. But it always felt at the back of my head. Well, I've got. I've got um, eight months, uh, sorry, eight weeks to do this. So it's, 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 it'll happen. It'll happen. And, and always that fear of that fear of weight gain, which I still had, despite the fact that I desperately wanted to gain weight was like, well, I, I don't want to do it too fast. And I'm going to wait till the last couple of weeks and I'll make slight changes. You know, all of those things. I know that if you've got an eating disorder and you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All of those things that you tell yourself that, well, well, you know, it just be, I'm going to, I'll eat more gradually and I don't want to gain weight too fast. And so I save it all to the end and it never happens, does it? Not really. Um, 
And then by about the third week, I knew I knew I I knew I hadn't gained any weight. And so I started putting weights in my pockets for the weigh in. Started cheating. It's because I was embarrassed because this was a public display now. And it was so damn simple, isn't it? Gain weight, that's all I had to do. I mean, come on, raise all of these money for charity, thousands of pounds, which however long ago, 15, 17 years ago, that was a lot of money. So all I had to do was gain weight, which I wanted to do anyway, which everybody around me wanted me desperately to do. And I wasn't doing it. It was just so ridiculous and it was so embarrassing. So I started cheating. And even while I was cheating, I'd be putting weights. I, my mum used to have one of these, um, one of those old-fashioned kitchen scales where you have the little weights and you put the weights on one end and you put the flour or whatever in the bucket on the other end. And I was just taking the, the weights from those, um, and hiding them in my pockets, and in my bra and wherever I could think that they wouldn't be noticed. And even when I was doing that, it's like, well, it's okay, it's okay, I'm going to change this week, I'm going to eat loads of food and I'm going to rest a lot more. And so this doesn't matter that I'm doing this now, I'm going to make it up. But of course I never did. And about six weeks in, there had been no change. And I remember I went up to Anna's house to be weighed and she just said, well, I don't think there's much point, is there, Tabby? You're obviously not going to do this. And, um, and she was right. I felt devastated. I was really upset by that. Um, it was as if it was just... Uh, it, the public, the publicness of it really didn't help, but it was, it was a big, I, I'm not sure even now, I can't work out why I was so upset like, by that. I think it's because it was a real reality hit for me, because I'd always been telling myself for years, well, I haven't gained weight because I haven't really tried. It's fine. It's fine. There's nothing really, really wrong with me. I just haven't gained weight because I haven't tried that hard and I'm going to try hard now. But because this, it had been made into this, this public thing, I couldn't tell myself that anymore. I couldn't tell myself, oh, well, I, I just didn't try very hard and I, and I need to do better. It was just a huge reality slap in the face for me where I realized that I was completely out of control and also that I had no help. That was the bigger problem because like Anna just said, well, you're obviously not going to do this, are you, Tabby? And she was mad at me. She was so mad at me. Um, and I didn't know what to do then. Like I said, there were there were no blogs saying if you have an eating disorder, you need to eat a load of food. And like, like what I write about, I just had no guidance and I didn't know really what was wrong with me. I didn't know. I didn't understand why I hadn't been able to do it. And that was, it was a really, it was really difficult, especially because everybody was so furious with me and I'd let everybody down. And, and in a village like that, it's hard as well. Because everybody knows who you are can't hide from it. So that was a really rough time and but it, it helped me understand at some point it did help me understand that 
It's not enough to want to change. It really isn't. It's not even enough to have all the encouragement in the world, because I certainly had that. I had encouragement to gain weight. It wasn't particularly informed encouragement, but it was encouragement. You have to take the action. You have to commit to taking the action. If that, if I'd understood that, if I'd understood that that first day when I said I'm going to gain weight, I had to wake up the next morning and not go for a run. Commit to not going for a run, no matter how much I wanted to, no matter how scared I felt, I couldn't go for a run. If I had understood I had to commit to that, it would have been a really different story. And of course, people would tell me, and of course I knew, well, probably I shouldn't be going running as much. But... There's always that part that's like, well, I'll just do this one more just this morning and I'll eat lots later so it, it won't really matter and it's going to lower my anxiety and it'll make me feel really good. And 17 years ago, nobody was talking about the movement aspect to anorexia. So really, I, my brain could tell me, well, it's all, it's all about eating. If I just eat more, then exercise is good. Even at that very low weight, my doctor never told me not to exercise. Not that that's an excuse, because I knew I knew deep down it was not good the way I was doing it. But all of these things my brain could use to convince me, just this one more time, you'll stop running tomorrow morning, it'll be fine. And that's not commitment to recovery. That's not commitment to weight gain. If you have committed to weight gain, you can't do anything that means that you that is not aiding weight gain. Exercise is not an aid to weight gain. It doesn't matter how you frame it. It doesn't matter how you excuse it. It's not. And so if you're committed to weight gain, you are committed to rest. And no excuses can get around that. And that's the bit I was missing. I wanted to gain weight. I wasn't committed to gaining weight. I wasn't committed to seeing it through the hard bits, to holding myself to it. And it's the same with the food. I'd eat my same old usual whatever it was each day, stupid routine, OCD crap, probably vegetables. And each time it'd be, oh, I'll, eat, I'll eat more later. I'll eat, I'll eat breakfast properly tomorrow. That's not a commitment to weight gain. If you're committed to weight gain, you have to get up and you have to eat as much food as you can. And anything less is not doing your best and is not honoring that commitment and that's what I didn't understand I wanted to gain weight but when it came down to it and that fear set in when I woke up in the morning and walked into the kitchen and tried to eat something different when that fear set in the commitment wasn't there to hold me to doing what I needed to do and it took me years to work that out and I'm so glad I did because recovery is really, really great. You know what I've done this week? <laughs> Very little. It's been Christmas. Took a week off work. Um, spent a lot of time with my animals. I spent a lot of time watching Downton Abbey. I think I watched a whole, a whole series in two days. I ate loads of food and lay on the couch. And it was thoroughly wonderful. 
And I love that I have the ability to do that. And I love that I have the ability to spontaneously go out for meals with my friends and family. And I love that I have the ability to be still and appreciate people, life. I also have the ability to move and appreciate that without feeling compulsed to do it. Recovery is actually having my life back, being the person that I always was before anorexia. And I really like that person. And I really like that life. And so all of the hard stuff that I went through to get me to the point where I understood that commitment and what that meant and that that had to translate into action and not action later, but right this very second, all that I went through to get there was so worth it. And I hope that if you are entering into this new year thinking, I'm going to change, it's going to be different, I'm going to recover. But if you have already started that by doing the same things that you always do, I hope you understand that it's not going to happen. I know that sounds harsh, but it's true. If you want to recover, you have to change. You have to change everything. And you know what you need to do. And I know that that's scary. But it doesn't make it any less true that you have to change those actions. If you're still exercising and you're in recovery, what are you doing? You can't. If you're still eating by the clock, eating measly little meals, not following your mental hunger, not feasting when you want to, what are you doing? If you want to recover, you have to commit to change. You have to commit to eating lots and lots of food. You have to commit to listening to your body and eating. If you are thinking about food, you eat food. It doesn't matter what time of day or night it is. It doesn't matter if you've already eaten 10 meals that day. I don't care. If your brain is asking for you for more food, you eat it. That's what committing to recovery is, regardless of the fear that you have. If you do that, things will change. I promise you that. So commitment. Happy New Year, everybody. If you have ideas for this podcast, or if you have ideas for guests, then you can contact me. My email is info at tabithafarrar.com. Cheers, and until next time, cheerio.